So Emmett, tell me who you are and where you're from. Um, I am Emmett Claren. I am a transgender male. Um, I originally am from Wisconsin. Uh, kind of lived all over the place. Uh, but I've been living in Utah uh, for the, the past like four, four years. Yeah, so like growing up, I was raised in the church, um, baptized when I was eight. Uh, I was kind of what like a lot of people would call a, a cookie cutter <laughs> Mormon. Like I was, you know, I, I completed personal progress when I was like 13 years old. I was very active. I always had a calling. Um, I was <clears throat> in leadership in young women's, uh, always going to girls camp very very involved and very active and I always had a very like strong testimony of the gospel and I grew up in a very conservative uh, LDS home um, and so pretty much all throughout my childhood and um, through high school I was just like what you would almost call like the perfect example of an active, believing Mormon. Um, and then I, I decided to serve a mission, uh, and I, I served in the Salt Lake City, Utah mission. And as a sister missionary. As a sister missionary, yeah. And I, you know, I, I still you know, had a very strong testimony of the gospel. Like that's not something that has ever like changed because um, I've always just believed, I, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. Um, but I also, I also always knew that there was something different about me. And so, you know, serving as a sister missionary, but feeling like I should have been wearing a suit um, and feeling super uncomfortable in my body as a sister and always being referred to as sister just made me feel so uncomfortable. But I wanted to serve the Lord and I wanted to um, exercise my faith and I thought mm. that I thought that by serving maybe the feelings would go away. Um, but that was not the case. So you grew up in the church, Emmett, as a girl and and I feel like you, your upbringing from a perspective of a female would be very different if, like, for, for example, I grew up as a male in the church. Um, that sounds very curious to me. Um, when did you know that you're, you were, I don't know how to phrase it, you didn't fit, there was something different with your body. How did, when did you know that you were a male? Oh, so like... <clears throat> as a child, I, 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 I knew that something was different. I didn't have the terminology. Like, you know, as a child, I, I had not heard the word trans transgender. Um, but ever since, like, even just being, like, a young child, four or five years old, I, I felt like a boy. And I wanted to be able to do the things, like, I did the things that my brother did because uh, I just saw myself just like him. And uh, I guess back then it wasn't, like, I remember 
my for kindergarten, my kindergarten school year, for Halloween, I asked my mom to let me dress up as a boy, and it was the like one of the happiest days of my little childhood life, like being able to have my hair pulled back in a, in a, like a ponytail and like a fake mustache drawn on my face and wearing my brother's clothes. I was the happiest at, like ever, um, and I was you know chasing girls around and trying to kiss them on the school bus and like that just it was normal to me um i think it really hit me hard uh when i when i started going through puberty so like 12 years old because that's when my body started to change and i hated it like my hips started to get wider and i noticed like and then my my my, my breasts started to grow and i I hated going to school and I hated that I was seen as a girl. I didn't want any of the girls to see me as a girl. I wanted them to see me as a boy because that's the way that I felt. And so I, you know, there were days where I would seriously double up on sports bras to try and flatten my chest as much as I could. And I wear, I'd wear hoodies and lots of layers to cover up my hips, to cover up my chest. I wanted short hair and there were many times when I tried to cut it myself and I butchered it. But like I just wanted to look as masculine as possible because I didn't want the girls, especially the girls that I liked, to see me as a girl. I wanted them to see me as a guy. And so 12 years old was like the worst because my body was changing in ways that I did not like. And I was like, my hips should not look like this. My, my chest should not look like this. I should not look like a girl right now. Was there anything at that time as well, growing up in the church? Because around 12, you'd be, a, what, a beehive? Mm-hmm. You'd be going to girls' camp? Yes. Were you longing to be a Boy Scout going on camping trips, <laughs> you know, passing the sacrament? I don't know. I was very jealous of my brother going to, like, scouts and, and doing all the things that the boys did. Uh, going to girls' camp, I felt very out of place. It's It's like... It was like I, I was like I'm a I'm a I'm a boy inside and I'm why am I going to a girls camp when I'm like one I've got crushes on these girls so like this isn't a good idea for me to be like staying in the same cabin as all these girls and two I just felt like really uncomfortable they're all like doing each other's hair they're all doing makeup they're all getting dressed up real nice and I just did not fit in at all I. I did not like my first year of camp at all. Um, mm. And every every year after, it was like I was trying to make the most of it, but it was almost like I felt like, I not like not like an outsider, but like almost like it was like, this isn't fair to the girls because in, 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 my, in my heart and in my soul, I feel like I'm a boy and I'm at girls camp. This isn't fair to them for me to be here. Yeah. I feel like it's hard for people to understand being transgender or even transitioning. So how, if I may kind of be provocative, like how do you know that you're a man? How do you know that you're not a female? You were born a female. Right, right. Yeah, so I've been asked this. I actually was asked this recently. So like... Like, God made you a certain way. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, someone would say. I would say that, right? Yes. And so, like, I've, I've, I've heard this so many times, and, like, and I agree. 
Like, I don't believe that God makes, God does not make mistakes. He, he is perfect. God does not make mistakes. Uh, I believe, <clears throat> like, my belief is that God is perfect, and our bodies are imperfect. The world is imperfect. And because of the fall, we are imperfect. We can never be perfect in this life. However, my spirit is perfect and always will be perfect. And my physical body um, has so many imperfections. I, I can't see without glasses. So my eyes are not perfect. Um, I have asthma. So if I'm running and I'm not careful, I will have an asthma attack. There's something wrong with my lungs. Uh, and there are so many people um, who have, you know, people have seizures. Um, people have, you know, they were born without certain limbs. Um, people are born with all kinds of, of sicknesses, sickness, sickness and illnesses. And, and so what do we do? We, we treat them. We're not expecting people to walk around blind. We don't expect people to walk around and not be able to breathe. We give them inhalers. We give them medicine. Um, and so for me, I truly believe that, you know, in, in, in the womb, something happened physically here on earth that was imperfect. And my body just did not switch over uh, to male in the womb like it was supposed to. Um, and there's all the science that talks about, you know, how like, our brain is is one way and our body is supposed to match up with it um, throughout the process and sometimes it doesn't and that's why people are trans and I just believe that something happened here in this physical world where my body just does not match up with my spirit and I don't believe that God made me this way I believe that he allowed this to happen and it's it's one of those trials that we all go through and I have been blessed to be born in a time where there is medicine to treat this there is medicine for this where I as a child I fantasized so much about just waking up and being a boy I prayed to God for for weeks on my knees for hours at, at night begging him to change me into a boy to strike me with a lightning bolt to, to when I wake up in the morning to to just make me a boy and growing and I realized now like I as an adult I realized okay he's not just going to do that I have the tools available to me now to be able to to change my body as much as I can to to match up with who I feel I am inside and so that's when I was able to realize that I can transition there's medicine available to me. There are procedures available to me. So from a very early age, or even as long as you remember, you've always felt there's something different. I, you felt that I'm supposed to be a boy. Yes. And that's always been with you. Yes. And anything, anything feminine just like made me feel sick to my stomach. And like people ask me like how can you really know that you're trans and I'm just like well just imagine you like waking up one day okay let's say you were born a male but you woke up one day and you had breasts 
how would you feel? You would, you'd feel disgusting. You would feel like there's just something wrong. Like that's, that's not natural. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't have breasts. You're a guy. And that's what it was like for me. Every morning I'd wake up and I had, I had breasts and I was like, this is not, this is not right. I, n I should not have breasts. This feels so wrong to me. And it just made me feel so sick to my stomach every day, knowing that inside I truly felt that my spirit was male, that I was a boy, my, my brain, everything inside was, was a boy, but I was trapped in this female body. And I, 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 I hated looking in the mirror, not being able to see a boy looking back at me. So you, you decided to go on a mission, which I feel like is a really big decision. One, just period, to go on a mission, but two, knowing knowing that you were transgender, that you weren't fitting in this female body that you had. So you're going out preaching a plan of salvation. You're preaching, you know, God's plan is for men and women to be married. Where, how do you see yourself fitting into that, to the, into God's plan? Mm -hmm. So I, uh, as far as like the family, a, pro a proclamation to the world goes, like, I do believe in it. Like when it's when it talks about how gender is an essential um, characteristic uh, to his plan, I do believe that, and I I believe that my my spirit is and always has been male, and that's something that I truly felt a confirmation of um, when I was up at BYU Idaho. I went to the temple daily when I was really struggling with trying to figure out what to do um, as far as transitioning and I just I felt an extremely powerful confirmation that I'm his son and that he loves me and that my spirit is male and uh, when I was on my mission uh, I, I hadn't really come to terms with being trans like like I said earlier like I I kind of hoped that maybe by serving the Lord faithfully, I wouldn't feel this way anymore. Maybe I'd be magically healed or I'd be, you know, normal or, or you know, I, I thought that he would just take away these feelings and that wasn't the case. Uh, and I, I never, I didn't meet any transgender individuals on my mission. So I couldn't, I didn't necessarily talk about it with anyone. Um, I did come out as gay because uh, I was a woman at the time and I was a, I'm attracted to, to women. Um, I did come out to my mission president <clears throat> and he had me uh, start meeting with a uh, church psychologist, uh, therapist about it um, and just gave me the basic, you know, just don't act on it. It's not a sin to be gay, but just don't act on it, you know. Um, and I really tried. Like, I, there were actually a couple people. We taught a few gay people, and I actually could not, um, I couldn't talk to them about the, about the church's stance. I just felt so hypocritical because I was like, I know how I feel. And I struggled with, like, telling them, hey, you can't be with anybody. You need to be celibate for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. um, and it just didn't feel right to me. I was just like, how can I tell them that they, they need to be alone? And that's, 
I mean, that's what that that means. That's what that's what I have to do. And there were there were times when I just let my my companion talk because I couldn't. I just couldn't <laughs> out with the words, you know. Mm. And then uh, I tried so hard. I met with the therapist um, constantly. We tried to talk about how I could. You know, when I go home from my mission, I'm going to date men and I'm going to get married in the temple to a man and I'm going to have children. And I'm going to be a mother and all this stuff. And I had the worst anxiety and I started to become depressed. And this was right at the very end of my mission. But again, I was like committed. I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do this and the Lord's going to bless me and I'm going to be happy. And that was the mentality that I had when I went to BYU-Idaho after my mission, and that mentality almost killed me. I was extremely depressed and suicidal at that point. Because you didn't see that you had a place, one in this world, but in the universe, and the whole plan of things. Yeah, I. there were nights when I was outside on my knees, in, even in like the rain, like it didn't matter. I would be outside, outside of the temple, just crying and just being like, why me? Why would you do this to me? Why would you make me this way? Not only am I, I was I born a female and I'm attracted to women, so I'm seen as gay, but on top of that, I don't feel like a woman. I I I am not a woman attracted to women. I am a man attracted to women, but I'm in a female body. Why would you do this to me? What did I do to deserve this? I mean, I asked that question a million times. And that's when I just, I felt like, okay, I don't belong in the world and I don't belong to God. Like God doesn't love me. He must hate me. And that was when I was just like, I'm, I'm, I can't do this. I didn't feel like I had anybody to turn to. I didn't feel like I, I could live anymore. And also at that point, I, when I went to BYU-Idaho, I was dating men. I was trying to prepare for a temple marriage to a man to get ready to be a mother and a wife. Um, but I was so depressed because it just wasn't fitting for me. I was not attracted to these men and I, I didn't feel like a woman. And I was meeting with a therapist at BYU-Idaho. And when I disclosed to her that I was not, I, I was not only attracted to women, but also that I believed I was I was transgender and I wanted to transition. She said, if that's the direction you want to go, I can no longer help you. And she dropped me and she didn't even refer me to anybody else. She just dropped me and that was it. Why did, why did she drop you? She did not believe that transitioning was right um, because she was a church therapist. She mm -hmm. was a school therapist. And so she was like, I'm sorry, if that's the route that you're going to go. I can no longer help you. And she stopped seeing me and she didn't send me to anybody else to talk about my desire to tr transition. I had nobody to talk to about this. Why is it that someone like that therapist couldn't talk about it, couldn't entertain that thought of you changing your gender? Because that's a thing. the church, I mean, the church doesn't, they don't say very much about transgender individuals. There's like a very small section in the church handbook about transgender transgender individuals and that they could be disciplined for elective transsexual uh, procedures 
uh, or surgeries. And when I have talked to leaders about that, they've basically just said, top sur- I mean, bottom surgery. Like if you have your, a sex change, then you could be disciplined uh, or excommunicated. But other than that, there's really nothing about it. So like the church does not say you cannot transition. But I think she had her own beliefs with that where she was just like, I'm sorry, like it goes against my beliefs, so I can't help you. Which doesn't make sense because with her degree, she's supposed to at least refer me to somebody else who can help me. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like it must have been very difficult because it's in a time when you needed support and help most. Yes. And you get dropped, just totally flat-footed. Yeah, that was um, shortly after that I, I tried to end my life because I was just like, wow, there's absolutely nobody in the world who will help me. Not even a professional, <laughs> a professional therapist. So. Oh, man, that's, that's so <laughs> tragic. I'm really... I'm sorry to hear that. It was, it was, it was, it was a very dark, dark time. And I was on depression medication because I was extremely suicidal. I was also on watch. Um, but like they wouldn't do anything. And then they, they gave me like a double dose of my depression medication because I was suicidal. And I ended up having a manic episode. Like I had a very bad reaction to the medicine. I tried to jump off the balcony that I lived on because I thought I could fly. Like, I started just doing crazy, crazy things. I ended up passing out in the kitchen, and, like, the ambulance came and, like, put IVs in me, took me to the hospital. Like, it was, it was, it was horrible. Horrible. I had no support. It's probably really hard for the church and for Mormons to comprehend someone choosing to transition Mm -hmm. because... I think we're finally at a point, or we're getting to a point at least with the the gay community that people accept, all right, you were born that way. You didn't choose that. Mm-hmm. We're definitely not there with the transgender understanding where if you, because then all of a sudden it becomes this action, this elective type mm-hmm. of action. Like I chose to transition to become who I really believe I am, who I, where I feel happy. And in the Mormon world where gender is so crucial to your identity, to your salvation and your eternal self, it's like, whoa, you can't change something that's been predetermined in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of now explaining, <laughs> but is that, would you agree with that? I mean, I, like when I... Um... After I short, like shortly after I tried to take my life, I decided, you know what, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to meet with my bishop and I'm going to talk to him about this. And I'm also going to talk to my stake president about it. And I had meetings with both the bishop and the stake president and I told them, this is who I am. I am attracted to women. And I truly believe that I am a male inside, in my heart, in my soul, my spirit. Um, And I told him about my experience in the temple of receiving that confirmation from the Lord, and that I've been praying and fasting about it. And I asked them, what does the handbook say about transitioning? Because I want to do everything by the book. I, I don't want to do anything without the guidance 
um, that comes from my priesthood leaders. I didn't want to do anything that would get me disciplined or excommunicated. Uh, and I was just extremely open with the fact that like I do have a testimony and that has not changed. Just because I have come out as trans does not mean that all of a sudden all of my beliefs are gone. I still believe in the gospel. I still have a testimony. Um, and then they just very clearly just went through the handbook and then they were, you know, they... I was actually extremely surprised, almost shocked with how they received me. Um, my bishop was an older uh, gentleman and he just was so kind and loving and I, I asked for his guidance and he just said, you know what, I see that you are you know, very sad, very depressed right now. So I just want you to just be yourself for a week. You know, don't wear makeup if you don't want to. Don't do your hair, you know, all fancy. Just, you know, just dress the way you want to dress. Just be yourself for a week. Come back in a week and we'll talk about how you feel. And for the next week, I just like, I put my hair in a beanie. I didn't wear any makeup. I started wearing a binder to, to bind my chest down and make it flat. And I just wear like very androgynous clothes. And for that whole week, I just imagined myself as a guy. And I didn't have any suicidal thoughts that entire week. And I went back to my bishop and I told him that. And he was like, okay, this seems like a very uh, important thing. And also it seems very personal. And he uh, arranged a meeting for both him and the stake president to meet with me. And... We decided that we were all going to fast the following Sunday and that they were going to give me a blessing. So the following Sunday we were, we were fasting together and the stake president bishop gave me a priesthood blessing and the stake president actually said the blessing. And I very specifically remember him saying that this was a very personal decision and it was between me and the Lord and that I would be guided to know what to do. And from that point on, um, I, I just continued to pray about it to decide, am I going to transition or not? And I ended up meeting with the bishop again and telling him, I feel very strongly that I need to transition. I also feel very strongly that I need to transition because I am so much happier when I think about transitioning to become a man and the suicidal thoughts go away and the depression goes away and I want to be able to live a long life um, and as close to the gospel as I can and he just again was so kind so loving and was just like follow the spirit you you will be guided to know what to do and I wish you luck he wanted me to stay at BYUI. I was like, I'm not going to let them kick you out. Don't worry. And I'm just like, bless your heart, but it's not going to happen. Like, they're going to kick me out if I transition. So we left on good terms. Um, and I told him I was going to transition. And he just, he was so kind. He transferred my records to the next bishop. And the, the next bishop, again, was super kind and allowed me to start testosterone. I mean, just, they never once told me, you're going against God. You're you're changing the natural order of the way that you know you were created this way for a reason. Like, they understood 
what I said earlier about how our bodies are imperfect, but our spirits are perfect. And that's really impressive. That yeah. Your bishops, both of them, had similar responses like that. I've had multiple bishops. I've moved around so much. And in, in every single blessing that I've gotten from a priesthood leader since I started my transition, they have all said the same exact thing. Like, I've half, I've half expected them to say, like, this is not the right decision you should be making, or, you know, trying to, to tell me that I should not be transitioning. Like, but each and every single one of them who's given me a blessing has said um, that I will be guided by the Spirit to know what to do next. Yeah. And so that's just what I've been doing. Everything I've done has been by the book. So what has this process of transitioning been like, both in terms of fulfilling who you are, but also in terms of how it works out with the church? It's been an incredible journey. Um, I definitely feel like the Lord is by my side. He's been th by my side through this entire journey. Do you feel more like yourself than you've ever been? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I... Like, not to sound... I don't want to sound conceited, but I look at myself in the mirror a lot more now because I like who I see in the mirror. Um, like, there are days when I just... I'm looking in the mirror and I'm just like, I can't believe, like, this is... This is real. Like this actually has is happening. Like I, I finally can look in the mirror and I see a guy staring back at me, and like, that's who I always was, and that's all. That's who I always should have been. Like, there's part of me that's just sad that like, the five year old me didn't get to see this, or the the twelve year old me didn't get to see a boy looking in the mirror, and but finally, you know, when I was twenty one years old, I was able to start the process. And now I'm, I'm 24 and I, I get to look in the mirror every day and, and see a, a, a boy, a man, uh, looking back at me. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, I have never been at, at more peace with myself. It's, it's an incredible feeling. How does the church recognize you officially? <laughs> so the church... It's interesting. They they will not recognize me as male in my records, even though I've legally changed my gender marker to male, but they have legally changed my name to Emmett Michael Claren in the church records, and they allow me to go to priesthood, and they allow me to come to church dressed in a suit and a tie, and they call me Brother Claren, but they won't recognize my gender as male because in doing so, they would also have to give me the priesthood, and that's just, they, there's nothing in the handbook for it, for that right now. They're like, I, I've met with so many priesthood leaders who have said, we've talked to the, the church headquarters, we've talked to general authorities, and they just keep telling us, like, we're praying about this, we're praying about transgender Mormons, but we just aren't receiving any revelation right now. We just don't know what to do yet. So... I've, I've had bishops who are like, I want to give you the priesthood, but I can't because I'm not under the authority to right now because we don't have anything in the handbook that says what to do with, you know, can we give you the priesthood? Like, there's nothing. There's nothing right now. So I've had priesthood leaders who are like, I would love to have you go through the temple 
again, but as Emmett this time and receive your endowments. I would love to be able to help give you the priesthood and have you pass the sacrament and, and be able to have a calling and, and, and speak in church, like all these things and just to participate as an active male in the church. But they, they can't right now. So right now we're just kind of in limbo. <laughs> so that means, so you, you don't have a temple recommend then? Um, I don't currently. Um, Would you be able to get one? I Yes. And that's the thing. Oh, really? So, so like, so here's the thing. So like when I was at BYU-Idaho, I came out as trans and then I had my temple recommend interview with my bishop and I, I passed all the questions. Um, like even knowing that I was, that I was wanting to transition, he gave me a temple recommend. He saw me worthy. The next bishop I met with, he, he, uh, the same thing. He was like, you're worthy. You can answer all of these questions, correct? Like worthily, um, to be able to have a, a temple recommend. Um, when I moved my records down to, um, Orem, the stake president, he didn't, he hadn't even met me, but he knew of me and knew that I was transgender and that I was transitioning. And because he didn't like that, he had them like take my temple recommend away and like void it. Um, without me even knowing. So I could have gone to the temple and then it wouldn't have worked and I would have been really confused as to why it wasn't working. So I set up a meeting with my bishop and my stake president and he um, ended up, like when I met with my stake president, he was not super excited about me wanting to transition, like wanting to like have top surgery. Um, and so he, he took away my temple recommend just because he didn't believe that what I was doing was in line with... Um, the church's standards. The bishop, however, was just like, I believe you could answer all these questions and, and, and be worthy of a temple recommend. But it's not up to me. It's up to the bishop, up to the stake president. Uh, but it's very interesting because after, after I had my top surgery, I met with my stake president a few months later, and he was totally different. Totally like super nice to me, the complete opposite of what he was before. He was super cold before. But this second meeting, he was just trying to be understanding. He was um, telling me, like, I, I want to give you a temple recommend. I want to be able to let you go through the temple, um, but I can't because, you know, how do we how do we do this? You're Emmett now. You 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 know you're no longer Eva, so we're not going to send you to the temple as Eva. You're, you're Emmett now, but I don't know what to do. He didn't have, he didn't have the direction from the brethren on what to do for me. Um, and if I were to go to the temple, I mean, it's so, it's very gender oriented. Like I can't go into the men's restrooms. I can't do the men's names. I can't do anything men related. So even if I were to get a temple recommend, there's nothing that I could do with it. Could you not go to like the men's section or during an endowment session no, or anything? No. You could be baptized as a man? Because they, they won't recognize me as a man in the church right now. They will not let me do anything male-related in the temple. I have... So if you went to the temple, if you had a temple recommend and you went to the temple, you'd have to dress as a woman? Yes. 
because they will only recognize me as female right now. Whoa. So if I wanted to go to the temple, I could, but I would have to go as a female. And because I pass so well as a male now, there's no way that they would let me go in. Hmm. I know of one person who's transgender male, like me, who he was able to get a temple recommend and go into the temple and like actually do um, confirmations, but wasn't allowed to do like baptisms or anything, but he was allowed to go in and do confirmations with like being called brother. But that's like a very rare case. Like for some reason he was allowed to do that. Not everybody is allowed. It's always, it's up to your leadership, whoever you have as a bishop or stake president. I would like to work my way up, like with the bishop that I have now, like I was, I finally asked like, can I have a calling? Can I speak in church? Cause I haven't done that in years since I was at BYU Idaho. And he actually is like supportive of that. He's like, yes, like why can't you have a calling? You know, like he wants to work with me to have a calling and, and be involved as much as I can in church. So I would like to work my way up to asking him like, can I just have a temple recommend? Like even just having one would just be so huge for me. Like I just, I miss having a, a temple recommend. But again, there's yeah. just no direction right now as to what else can I do. That is so interesting. Um, where do you personally stand with the church? How do you, in terms of a faith, how do you reconcile all this? I uh, I struggle a little bit with the church. Like I, I, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. And when I taught it on the mission, like the gospel of Jesus Christ is so simple. And it's, it's just what Christ taught when he was on the earth. Um, the church, I, with all these policies and rules and restrictions, I just, Christ didn't have policies. Christ did not create policies and he didn't exclude anybody. And uh, so I struggle with the policies that the church has. Um, I believe the gospel is true. I will always believe that the gospel is true. But it's hard for me to say that I believe that the church is true. Um, but I know that the, the church is, is run by imperfect people. Um, and a lot of things just don't make sense right now. And I know that there's a lot of things from the past or, you know, like I've had multiple bishops say to me when I ask about like, am I going to be able to hold the priesthood someday? Multiple bishops have said, well, you know what? I remember back in the day when blacks weren't allowed to have the priesthood. And then all of a sudden they, they were, uh, and our, our society just hadn't caught up yet. Um, and finally society started to change and our culture started to change. And that's when the church changed. So maybe someday you will be able to hold the priesthood. You know, the, the things are changing in the church and people are changing and society is changing. And so, I don't know, maybe someday you will be able to, to do all the things a man can do. Maybe you will be able to hold the priesthood. So I've had multiple bishops say that to me. So... I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I struggle with a lot of these rules and policies that the church comes up with because I just, 
they don't feel right to me when they they just they don't feel like they came from God. I feel like they're very much driven by the natural man. This is kind of a funky metaphor, but as you were talking, I was thinking of the way you explained, you know, you, you, believe, you feel that your spirit's perfect. That's, you know, your spirit is a child of God. You know what your spirit is, right? Mm -hmm. But your body's imperfect. It didn't come into this world as a male mm -hmm. as, to match your spirit. And as you explained in the church, it kind of, to me, it's like spiritually the church is perfect. Mm -hmm. But the body of the church, you know, kind of in the, in the same idea of like as it was birthed, as it came into this world, it didn't receive a perfect body. Yes. And when you're talking about those policies, it just kind of seems like maybe the, maybe the body of the church has glasses because the eyes aren't perfect. In fact, maybe, maybe it has a little bit of a limp. It doesn't walk as fast as everyone else does. Anyways, that was just going through my head as you were talking. Yeah, no, I've never heard that kind of metaphor used for the church before, but that makes so much sense to me. Uh, it would explain a lot of other things as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, I feel like does, does transitioning, being transgender and transitioning from female to male, male to female, especially within the context of the church that is so like clearly defined as in separate roles you know there's the male role there's the female role have you noticed being treated differently being i don't know having access to certain types of privileges because you've gone be between the two genders so are you talking about like within the church or in just normal everyday life I guess both. I am fishing a little bit, mm -hmm. slash curious just what your experience is. I have definitely noticed male privilege is a thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. Really? Yes. Like, oh, and I, and I, I hate it. Like, um, men are more likely to be listened to and heard. Um, that's what I've noticed, especially like work, um, in work situations, uh, when I'm in a group of people, uh, it used to be like really hard for me to get a word in or say anything or like to be heard by people. But as a guy and being seen as a guy, I barely, I barely have to talk. I barely have to speak up. And all of a sudden everybody's listening to me. My opinion is being heard and it's being used like before. Before I transitioned, if I were to offer an idea or an opinion, it was like thrown aside, especially if there were men who were like in charge of the conversation. But like now I can throw in an absurd idea that doesn't make any sense. And everyone like jumps on it. It's like, that's such a good idea. Yeah, we should implement that. And I'm just like, really? Like that really wasn't even that smart of an idea. <laughs> um, and so people will just like listen to me. And I feel bad because whenever there's a woman like in the group, they're not heard as much. They're kind of just brushed off. And I just, I'm just like, is that really how we treat women? Um, it's not fair. It's not fair that I have more of a voice now as a man than I did as a woman. It's just not fair. Um, also, just the way that men talk about women in general, I, I 
don't like the conversations that I listen to. Um, I don't like being a part of them. Um, there's just so much disrespect uh, that I have to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, That's probably, that sounds like it would be particularly visceral, given that you grew up as a woman, mm-hmm. and now you hear, you know, some foul-mouthed male talking about a woman in a very derogatory way, and you're thinking, geez, like, you can't say that type of stuff. Yes. Like, you can't believe that people think that way. Exactly, and so there are times I will try to say something that, you know, I just, I try to be like, well, but you know, and like, and, and just, I'm, I'm, some of these people, some of these guys are just so set in their ways, I'm like, this is not the way, like, they're, I hate the gender roles. Um, I also know like it's so different um when i was viewed as a woman i wasn't like allowed to do things like heavy lifting and rough stuff like that was that's for the guys to do you know we don't let women have to lift heavy things or do things on their own they need help with everything that they do um and so like i'll see that like in the workplace like there's girls who want to work but like the guys are like, well, that's probably too heavy for them. So we just won't let them do the hard stuff. We'll, we'll do all the heavy lifting. But like, I've seen these girls completely capable of, of helping and doing things and they want to help. And I've, I can see it in their faces when we, we don't let them do things. And they're like, oh, you're treating us like weak women. Like we're weak or something like, no, like, and so I try to help them and like, and I try to be like, Hey, you want to help me do this? Because I know you're not weak. Like, just because you're a woman does not make you any less than a man. Um, but that's how men typically view women is like being less than a man because they're not strong enough or they're not as strong as a man. Um, and so, yeah, like women, I, I just, I remember like being treated like I couldn't do anything. And now, now it's like I'm expected to be able to do really hard things or uh, rough, tough things. I'm expected to be to to do things that are very tasking, very, very exhausting. Um, so it's like completely ch- I used to be so used to like guys opening doors for me all the time and guys doing things for me and lifting things. And if I was too tired to do something, a guy would always just do it for me. I could just ask any guy and he would do it because I was a woman. And now as a guy, it's like, oh, crap, <laughs> I kind of I kind of miss that because now I actually have to do stuff. Mm. So, yeah, no, there's there's so many differences. What about gender roles within the church? What are some observations that you've had? Um, huh. Well, within the church, I mean, it's funny because I have been asked several times to pass the sacrament and I've had to like awkwardly turn them down and say, no, I can't. Um, I can't help with that. Um, I've, I mean, obviously, there's still the typical like, "Hey, you're a guy, so help us set up, set up chairs or take down tables or things like that, like for events." Um, you know, they again not letting the women help with anything, not letting them do anything that might be seen as too hard. Um, Because the church has very strong, like, you know, the female and the male both have their own, like, spheres of responsibilities. Yes. Do those blur at all for you, given that you've, 
you've crossed between both sides. Um, I've I've noticed like the very stereotypical um, things like like when I was in Relief Society, <clears throat> like the women put so much effort into lessons and into projects and things and making people feel loved. Um, and as I've gone into like priesthood, it really is what they what like the stereotype is like the lessons are not really prepared uh i don't feel like i have a super strong bond with any of the men um everyone's kind of like falling asleep not paying attention not involved um and it's kind of funny and ironic in a way because i actually kind of miss relief society just because there was so much effort and love and care put into it and I don't feel like that kind of like the same kind of feeling in my priesthood classes. In fact, there, there, I've, I've been to so many priesthood classes where we don't even talk about the subject of the class. We just talk, they, they're just talking about like regular everyday life. Like all of a sudden the class just turns into talking about football or <laughs> like TV and, and shows and just like random things. Do the people in your ward know that you're transgender? Um, Yes, I have made it a point to, um, I've made it a point to tell people like, because I don't want to be asked to pass the sacrament when I know I can't. I don't want to be asked to do something that involves the priesthood when I know that I can't. And then I have to have an awkward conversation with them. And you know, people will judge really, they really judge you. Like if you, like, if I, if I tell them that I don't have the priesthood, but they know I've served a mission because I've talked to people about it they're going to be really confused. Oh, what did you do? You don't have the priesthood anymore? Or like, mm -hmm. I can't lie and be like, well, I'm not a member. I don't want to lie about that. And so it's just awkward. And so I've wanted to be really open in my wards and I've wanted to be open with my bishop. And like, I've told him, like, I've told all of my bishops, I'm totally fine with you telling your counselors, the state presidency, the elders quorum president, everybody can know. I don't care. I want people to know because I, I don't want things to be awkward if like, I don't want to be asked to do something I can't and then I have to explain why I can't. And also I want people to know because then for me, it's like if somebody comes up to me and they talk to me and they're nice to me, then it's like, oh, they know I'm trans and they're being nice to me. Not, oh, they're just being nice to me because they don't know I'm trans. It's, it's mm. part of that. Like I'm just a little bit paranoid about that, I guess, but like, I just want people to know so that I can genuinely tell who's genuinely being kind to me, knowing that I'm trans and not wondering, oh, are they just being nice to me because they, they think I'm a cisgender individual? Hmm. So I, and I'm an open book. I don't like to hide. I don't like to lie. And so like, I just want people to know. And plus I feel like, um, if I'm not visible, how am I going to make a difference? Mm -hmm. You know, I want people to see, yes, there's a transgender Mormon in their ward actively participating and that's normal. And that's what my, that's what my bishop told me. He was like, I'm just going to treat you like normal. This is normal. Yeah, sure. You're trans, but this is normal. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. You're just a guy in our ward. And I was like, yes, thank you. That's what, that's what I want. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that would be wonderful to get to a place where these these issues are not issues. They're not this big deal, this ornate, like, coming out or whatever. It's just, this is, 
like there's this understanding that people are straight, gay, lesbian, in between, something other that we don't know about. It's like that. We just don't live in a world yet that that's fully understood. We are we are getting there. My bishop is. I go to a YSA ward, and my bishop. When I came out to him, I I just saw him like three weeks ago. And he just he was so open minded. Um, and he was just like, I'm just so glad that you're here, that you're coming to our ward because, you know, how are you supposed to, to make a difference if you if you aren't open and if you're not coming? Um, and he was just so understanding and empathetic and it was it was incredible to me. He 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 wants to be able to give me a calling, he wants to help me. Um, speak in church he wants me to meet with the stake president um, and he's totally like supportive of me he's totally fine with me coming and and just being myself uh, he wants people to to know me to meet me he and he's saying you know he again he told me things are going to change things have been changing and he accepts me fully as myself as a trans guy he's just he's amazing and he wants he wants things to he wants other people to come and to feel welcome as well and that's why he's like I'm just so glad that you're here because you're gonna make this better for everybody like more people that come who are different will just make this so much better for other people pardon my ignorance or maybe perhaps it's more of my intrigue but you were married. Um, maybe I guess I find it impressive that, and this again, this is probably more my ignorance, but like a woman wanted to marry a transgender man. Um, I find that really impressive, <laughs> and that makes it sound like you're lesser of a man than I am, and I don't mean it that way. Just so you know, Emmett, but again, pardon my ignorance. What what would you want us to share about that? Um, I always struggled and I and I still kinda do struggle, like with wanting like I I wanna be with someone who sees me as a man and loves me as a man, not for anything that is feminine that I like my body parts mm. um, I have not had sex reassignment surgery um, or it's commonly known as bottom surgery uh, and I want to be with someone who's okay with that who is fine with the parts that I have my body mm. and who loves me for me um, and I have met people who who were just like, I just, I see you as a man. Um, my now ex-wife, she saw me as a man from the start. And that was extremely um, validating for me. Uh, just to be seen as a man and to be loved as a man. And um, I mean, I just, I, I, I felt extremely blessed and lucky, um, especially because it's hard for me to be attracted to, um, like I'm attracted to women, but 
it takes a while to form like a special bond with someone and uh <clears throat> so being attracted to her as well as her being attracted to me was kind of a, a big deal and uh i think there's a part of me that i mean like we didn't the divorce had nothing to do with me being trans um there were other issues uh but there's a part of me that does fear like am i going to find someone else who is fine with me being trans um that's kind of like been a fear in the back of my mind but the answer is yes there are so many people who i have spoken with um who are just like you're you're a man all i see is a man when i look at you i do not see a woman i do not see anything feminine and it's, it's just i i uh, just hearing that it feels so good um It's obviously a little bit harder um, because I don't, I was not born with uh, male mm -hmm. parts. Um, and there's a, there are a lot of women out there who that's what they want. Um, but I also know that there are a lot of women who don't care um, to them. You know, that's not the most important thing. That's not, um, they're not, they don't want to be with someone just because they have a penis. Mm -hmm. So, um, I love that, you know, there are, there are so many people out there who, who really, that that's not important to them. And, uh, I feel like those, those people are extremely special. Um, and so I just, whenever somebody does express interest in me and they do just see me as a man and they know that I'm trans, I, it makes me feel so, just so, there's so many words I could use, but I just feel so blessed and so lucky and just really happy and validated, you know, that I'm wanted the way that I am for who I am and that they don't want me to change. Um, and that, you know, that's not like, What's between my legs isn't like the determining factor uh, for them to be with me. Like they like me for me. Hmm. That could be, that can always be like a very proverbial or profound statement for just companionship in the world today or even love today. It's not about what's between your legs, but it's really you know, finding a true companion, someone that you can be a friend with, someone that you can confide in, someone, yeah. um, yeah, well, you definitely deserve a, a, a solid companion, Emmett. Thank you. Appreciate that. What is truth, Emmett? Truth is truth. Truth for me? Yeah. How would you define truth? Truth is something that cannot be changed. It's a fact. And truth should always feel right. Especially, like for me, I just, if something's true, it feels right. It feels good. What is the purpose of this life? 
I believe this the purpose of this life is to one get through it <laughs> to learn to grow we're supposed to struggle we're supposed to feel pain and that's also that we can be molded into better people and I believe that my purpose in this life is to help make people better people to make people better Christians to make people better at loving others who are different. I believe that the purpose is to give hope and help to those who are like me, especially youth, and to hopefully make this world a little bit better, safer, happier and healthier what is the purpose of your life I think I'm supposed to just love love everyone love love others and again help others and give hope especially to transgender youth and especially trans trans-Mormon youth. Um, I really feel like I'm supposed to be open about my story so that I can help others. And if I stay silent, that's just another voice that's lost. If I stay silent, I can't do anything to help change the way that people view transgender Mormons, transgender people. And I believe I'm supposed to be open and loud about my story, my experience, and the way that I feel so that I can help cisgender Mormons understand where I'm coming from and what it feels like to, to feel like an outsider in the church and um, just to see that, you know, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just a normal person. We're all just normal people. We all just want to be accepted and loved. I just want to be as active in the church as I can be, and I think that that's my purpose is to to help people see that I'm just a guy. Okay. I just want to be accepted as much as possible, especially in the church. I have a belief that all the LGBTQIA plus people in the world, that they're actually a blessing for us. In fact, they're here for a reason to teach us ignorant, straight, stupid, heterosexual people <laughs> how to be tolerant, how to love, how to be open, how to think, how to realize that people think differently, that things aren't just straight and heterosexual. Things aren't necessarily just black and white. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's an ambiguous spectrum of gray in between. Um, and I think that's... I think, and that's why I think that um, the LGBTQIA plus community, or these people, really have a gift for loving and accepting and being open, and that's something that they teach us ignorant folk. Um, my last question is: I have this. I do this with every interview person I interview that I do. Um, 
I want you to paint me a picture of how you see the church. And when I say paint me a picture, I literally want you to use like very descriptive words like this. There's brush strokes, you know, what type of canvas is this is on? Are you using water colors or oil? Or perhaps it's something more abstract. Maybe it's you're describing me a scene, but this, you're still painting using descriptive words like there's a forest of trees and inside of this large forest is this one path. I want you to describe for me what is, what is the church for you in this, in this picture. When I think about the church, especially right now, I can see almost like a, it's like a, like just a big gray, so like building made of cement and it's like a church and there's lots of people inside and then you have some people who are wandering away but they're they're wanting to to reach out and they're wanting to It's like they want to hold on to the church, but they also want to reach out to those who are standing outside of the church. In fact, it almost, I almost envision like a, kind of like the, the painting of um, Lehi's dream. And you see like the iron rod and you see, it's like a big river, just a huge river. And you see this big building. But instead it's it's the church. And there's people who are holding on to the rod. But then they're also wanting to reach out their hands to those who are, I don't know, let's say like a rainbow-colored river. <laughs> Just wanting to reach out, but wanting to hold on to both. I imagine a very like stoic, upright building. And it's glorious. I mean, there's light radiating from it. Lots of people inside standing up very tall, very straight. No pun intended. And then you have people standing outside feeling like outsiders and then you have people gradually leaving the, the church and like they're still part of the church but they are embracing those who are different but there's only a few of those I feel like the church is people in the church are starting to change the way that they view us but it's only a very small amount of people and the rest of the church is just very still very strict very conservative very judgmental and I see gray because it's just it's not what it used to be for me it used to be safe it used to be home now it's like it's scary to go to church every Sunday even though I know the bishop is 
you know, supportive and on my side, it's still scary to put myself out there. And the light is still glorious and, and bright, but it's almost harsh. It's not warm and welcoming like it used to be. It's not yellow, it's, it's more of a white light. I like that. That was a very detailed description. <laughs> well, is there anything else you wanted to you want to add? Not that I can think of. I just I can feel things changing slowly, but I can't even imagine having this like the conversation I had with my bishop. A few weeks ago I can't imagine like having the conversation with him five years ago like things were so different back then mm -hmm. people didn't even know what it meant to be transgender now they're starting to discover what it is to be transgender and Mormon I mean it's things are it's like they're changing slowly but they're also changing very quickly so I might just be like super naively hopeful but I really do feel like things are changing. Perspectives are changing. The more that we talk about this, the more that will change. And I'm not, I'm not giving up yet. Like I'm still a member of the church and I'm, I can't give up because there's just, there are too many trans Mormons out there who aren't even able to transition without the, the talk of being disciplined. I feel very blessed to have made it this far in my journey and to still be considered an active Mormon. That is kind of a radical thought. You've transitioned. You've been able to go through with your transition and you're still considered an active Mormon. Yeah. I was actually, when I was married, um, my bishop, like we didn't, we didn't get disciplined um, because technically the church saw a woman marrying a woman hmm. but my bishop at the time he he told me later he was like I at your wedding I very clearly felt the impression that your spirit is male and he so he received the confirmation that my spirit was male hmm. at my wedding and I just I was amazed at that and so he, you know, he didn't want to go through or go forward with any kind of disciplinary action because he mm. did, he believed he saw a man and a woman married that day. So, but I do, I do think that the longer, if we had stayed married longer, eventually there would have been discipline because I don't believe the state presidency was fully on board like the bishop was. Mm. So I wasn't married long enough to, <laughs> to, to be faced with discipline, but. Yeah, I've been very blessed, very, very blessed. Because I do know of trans Mormons who, like, their bishops have said, if you even start hormones, I will excommunicate you. It's, it's sad. That sounds really difficult, though, because 
You deserve to have a companion. You deserve to have love in this life. But should you pursue that, you're risking losing your faith. Mm -hmm. You're risking losing your community. You're risking losing really everything that is important to you. And so is, is that person, whoever she is, if, you know, am I worth it to her, to for her, like, trading me for her membership in the church? She, right, she mm -hmm. would have to be able be willing to risk all that exactly the same way you would have to exactly we both it would be a risk for both of us well thanks for taking the time Emmett yeah no problem